Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Sexual Debut Podcast. I'm your host, Sophia Popovich. In this episode, we have another guest, my friend and colleague who's studying to be a sex therapist, Bree. And here's the episode. Hello. Hello. Welcome to the pod. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. Absolutely. So this is my very good friend, Brie. Um, we met through grad school and she is still finishing up her last degree and she'll be done soon. Ish. Soonish. But she is doing great things and I'll just let her introduce herself. Yeah. Hello. My name is Brie. Yeah, I'm in. I'm currently about halfway through my two master's degrees. So I'm getting one master's degree in clinical social work and then a second one in education focusing on sex therapy. Um, and they kind of, they're dual, so they go together and mix together. Um, and yeah, I'm just over two years in. I have two years left. I believe in myself. It's fine. I'm tired. Grad school is a lot. I believe in you too. I just finished the program, so I don't, I'm not looking at brie with any kind of envy but i <laughs> do know that we will finish it out strong i just got one of those degrees um the education degree yeah and i luckily the next two years i'll be finally doing my practicum stuff my actual practical application of the degrees so i think that the second half will go really quickly um yeah i feel like this semester explain... flew go ahead Oh, I just feel like this semester has gone by so quickly. I've been really surprised because it's I'm I have like three weeks left and then I'm done. Yeah, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. So do you want to explain a little bit about what a practicum is? Yeah, so it depends on your kind of area of specialty, but especially in so a master's in social work, you always do two, they're essentially internships. So your first one is really focused on generalist practice. So it's focused on learning how to work within different types of groups of people and different people. So about half of my time will be working one-on-one -on -one with clients, and then the second half will be working with groups. And that's really the intention of that first internship. And then the second internship will be um, a specialist internship. So that'll be when I'm actually doing more therapeutic interventions and um, working with within the field of sex therapy. Um, so it's just working on actually applying the skills that we have been reading about for two years which is great and it's also a resume building tool so it's a way to have references and resources and stuff on your resume and like written as well you do a lot of like documentation so it's a really good way to actually get you ready to work in the field it sucks because you're not allowed to get paid for them which is brutal um but at least like you're the really the point is to get those references and like field experience before you're just thrown out into the world and I don't think a lot of fields do a great job preparing students to actually work in the field and I do think that's something social work does well yeah absolutely the big thing that we could talk about for a long time is the unpaid labor of it all <sighs> truly yeah yeah Constantly. okay so on a... <laughs> moving on anyways <laughs> <laughs> on a more positive note we'll go ahead and just jump right into the question so I know you know what a sexual debut is but can you tell me about where you learned it? Did we maybe learn about it in the same place? I don't know, because I actually think you maybe told me about sexual debuts, because I, I feel like some of that, first, especially that first year of school was such a blur. So those classes really melded together in my brain. Um, I'm assuming it was 
what like it was like 593 or 594 or something that like intro to theory sexuality class you know I don't know the numbers <laughs> you know I don't know the numbers of the classes one is like the foundations of human sexuality and then one is like more of the theory class whatever it doesn't matter yeah, I think I might have just broadly learned it in grad school. Um, but yeah. what were your like first impressions um, of the idea? I think that I like ways in which we can use language and terminology to help us better understand like introduction in sexuality and whatever that means to you. Because I like the idea that a sexual debut is so vague because that can mean whatever you want it to mean. Um, and I think, again, it gets into complicated ground if like your introduction to sexuality wasn't consensual or comfortable and good. And I think it's a good way to really focus. I think in a lot of people see sexual debuts as their like consensual introduction into sexuality versus the things that come before that aren't necessarily like conscious or um, like what you would wanted it or would have wanted it to be. Um, so that's something that I like that it's I like that it's nebulous. Yeah. And the the agency and choice is there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um definitely I, I love the concept obviously or wouldn't have started a <laughs> podcast about it um so I know you have a lot to say on this and I'm I've been really excited to hear you talk about it but what are your family's um slash community's values about sex oh see that one is always such an interesting question for me because it really is and we've talked about this a million times but this like double-sided factor of I got very different or somewhat different teachings within my family system than I did in the community I went out into. I was raised in like a semi-conservative evangelical community, Christian community that is more conservative now than it was when I was younger. Some of that, like some of the politics have changed and escalated since I was younger. Um, and a lot of the teachings within my family were really focused on like and really from my mom, what like sex should be fun, sex should be good for you, sex should be pleasurable and like a tool of connection. Um, not just a tool of connection, but it is something that is like a healthy like desire and sexuality and sexual interest is a not a bad thing. And it's 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 more than just not a bad thing, it's a positive experience and it should be a positive experience. Um, but it's really meant to be within marriage, right? My parents' teachings was very much like, you can have, like, sex is allowed theoretically outside of marriage, but, like, we're not going to be stoked if you make that decision outside of marriage. Um, and sex was not, like, a taboo subject in my household. It wasn't super encouraged, but my mom had, like, a section on our bookshelves of sex ed books that we could have access to whenever we wanted. It was just, like, an open shelf of books. Like, the American Girl Body Book was a classic in my household, and she had a few other ones that were more about um, the, like, biology of reproduction and stuff. Like, my mom always had a book. If there was a book for it, she bought it, and it was on our shelf, and it was kind of free reign. It was available if we wanted it, if we wanted more info. But then going out into my community, it was something that was comparatively more taboo, um, and not inherently taboo, but not really discussed and some very intense gender roles expectations that were not always enforced technically, but were definitely enforced socially. So like a lot of my introduction to sexuality in the household, my parents were like, you can be whatever you want. You can do whatever you want. And then I would go out into community and they're like, but you don't have to. You could actually not have sex and not think about sex and um and I had a lot of kind of those youth pastors that were like sex is like so fun and hot and cool and my wife is so sexy <laughs> and so hot but like don't don't do that though but my wife hot <laughs> yeah I, I we've 
talked about it, but just to me as someone, as a kind of outsider looking into religion and sexuality, there is, there's not a lack of sex positivity in a lot of religions. Um, Have you read Song of Songs? Associated. Have you read Song of Songs? That book, those books are horny as shit. They are the horniest <laughs> things you've read in your life. And they're supposed to be. They're like, it is books about like sexuality and romantic love. Mm-hmm. People like to talk about it, but Song of Songs. Yeah, I also think that there's a little bit of a sexual undertone, undercurrent to even the relationship with God and Jesus. Oh, absolutely. Yes. The amount of people, because I'm part of like that kind of charismatic evangelical, like pop music at service, mm-hmm. not me- I've been to mega churches. I, my church was never, they were never that big. Um, and I did a lot of like youth past the youth group stuff after I, I kind of had left formal, normal church, formal, normal church. And then I did other things that were like really centered around teenagers. And man, th- those people want to fuck God so desperately. And I respect it. I, that's your thing. But I at least admit it. Yeah, I don't think a lot of people would see that as their relationship. But as someone looking in, it has a lot of sexual undertones to me the taking the body and consuming the flesh and the blood that all sounds very erotic (laughs) and there is so much christian contemporary music that is supposed to sound like modern love music to some extent right Mm -hmm. like there's a song that is um like it's all it's about this longing this sense of underlying longing in a lot of that music that still has dictated the music I like as an adult I just had to find it outside of that kind of Christian contemporary music but um it's man it truly it's this weird undertone that is so funny and so I love pointing it out to people to be like listen to this song because mm-hmm. yeah definitely so what kinds of messaging then did you receive about virginity both from your community and um, your family? It's, oh goodness. I th- see, I always think, so virginity was expected. Um, I would say expected for men and women, not super equally, but in general, it wasn't like, the, my community didn't have like a boys need to sow their wild oats concept. Like it was to some capacity pretty expected. Um, and and I had a lot of messaging about like having multiple sex partners, like tainting you. Like you can't like, I've had youth pastors like rip apart oranges. I don't know if you've seen that metaphor. Um, so like they unpeel an orange and you're like every partner you have, you're like giving a piece of your body and you're the orange is a representation of your body and more so your soul. Um, right. So like when you have sex with somebody or like I'd have them like cut off pieces of an apple, I got a few different versions of that talk in different capacities. Never again, never like from my family. This is actually mostly youth groups that I chose to go to (laughs) and then got these messaging from my parents didn't, they didn't necessarily think that way that I, I, they weren't like, my mom was really, I feel like the language she used was, and I never talked to my dad about this really well, kind of later, but not when I was younger, my mom was like, I would prefer if you didn't, right? I would prefer if you waited. And she was actually more focused on like the safety aspect of like protecting yourself from like harm. It's like almost not quite a harm reduction point because that's not really fair, but like just being nervous for us to like give ourselves away and then get our hearts broken. And it was more about that than like giving pieces of our soul away. Um, And she was like, I would prefer if you didn't, but if you do, here are like, here is what contraception is and like the risk factors but it wasn't 
like I never felt like it was scare tactics. It was pretty, here is the information. I'd prefer if you didn't have sex, but I'd rather you have it than not. And um, and then my community was much more kind of slut shamey of like, this is this is everything you have and this is what your worth is. And if and again, like a lot of the books I read were that way because I kind of I was always a huge reader. And so I would kind of collect those books and read them and be like, oh, okay, cool. That's how we feel about that's what that's what this concept is, and this is how we feel about it, which is really like and I'm surprised it didn't it didn't affect me more as an adult. Um, because I, I at that time I was like, that feels kind of silly, and I just kind of moved past it and never really like I feel like it kind of skated past my brain. So I was like, that feels like a lot of work to think about. I'm just gonna move yeah. on. Yeah, I feel like you have a very like headstrong way to you, which is a great thing, especially <laughs> yes. in that environment. Yeah. And so I'm curious about the the sowing of the seed. Did the sowing of the what did you say? Wild oats, sowing your wild oats. Yeah. Oh, beautiful. I would no. love to. <laughs> so that means it's it's not common in the denominations I was a part of. So this is more peripheral for me. Um that like the idea that girls, like the expectation that girls are going to be kind of chaste and pure and maintain ourselves for our husbands, but men are more virile inherently. They're like, they need to have like these wild periods where they're like going to go fuck around for a while before they find their wife. So spreading your wild oats is like, I need to have sex with a bunch of women to like settle myself down. So I'm ready to get married. And that wasn't uncommon. It has to do with the kind of the gendered standards with virginity, but I would say my family emphasized virginity pretty similarly for all of my siblings. Um, but that's more outside of my community directly, but does that make sense? That explanation? Yes, it does. Okay. Um, to me, that, imagery conjures up like the idea of like impregnation mm -hmm. so is that the goal or just absolutely not it, I agree it's a weird way to use that term because I agree it sounds like and I almost said that like you just need to like fill a bunch of women up before you have your wife yeah. but that's <laughs> not the expectation but it is what the term sounds like yeah it does okay glad that we cleared that up because but it is the idea that like men are more virile and like should have the opportunity but like you could get someone pregnant at that time shouldn't you maybe think like it's weird it's a weird double standard and it's interestingly i would argue to some capacity not pro-abortion but complicated because i know moms who's more i know of moms who's like their son's like very religious got their son's got somebody pregnant who wasn't like suitable and the mom's like oh I'll pay for that abortion right oh, so like wow. it's the idea that parents are some to some capacity supporting that but saying that's not wife material so like you should we'll pay for her abortion uh that's even though they're really anti-abortion but not in that situation like I know of like more of a friend of a friend who had something like that happen that's really interesting so a selective mm -hmm. kind of view oh. on abortion which is common with abortion views with conservative communities in general a lot more people have gotten abortions than we talk about and people who are anti-abortion who get abortion see themselves as the exception. Like they're like, well, my reasons were good. So like, that's okay. I could have gotten abortion. I'm not going to tell anyone, but my reason made sense. But most people don't. That's the argument they make, which I've heard before. That's really interesting. Yeah. I, it's that cognitive dissonance is always so interesting to me of like, uh, those like ethical inconsistencies when you're like I, you can believe something and your practice is different but like I feel like I hold those differences and recognize those differences but it's interesting when someone doesn't hold those differences right they're like oh but I don't count mm -hmm. I'm different yeah or when they don't aren't cognizant of it and that 
that's from my experience and the people I've talked to in my life who have had religious reckonings um, mm-hmm. or, you know, um, moments of questioning their faith is when they realize those um, really contradictory points mm-hmm. and they haven't thought about it super hard. Right. Like you would think it would cause a crisis of faith and pull you out. But a lot of people are just as like, well, no, I but I'm good, though. So we're, I don't need to like think about it. I see myself as good, so I don't need to think about anything else. Mm, yeah. Wow. I could talk about that. I'm sure you could talk about all that day forever. All day. So then where did you first learn about sex? Was it from the books on the bookshelf or did you find other places? Um, so I think that also there's a difference between like procreation and sex, like sex as pleasure versus sex as like how, where babies come from to me feel separate because I had a friend, I was probably six, maybe seven, but probably six or six or seven. And I went to her house and she was a year older than me because I started school young and then was really smart, way too weird. I had to be pulled back a grade, socially weird. Um, Anyways, and we moved. But so Claire, um, I went to her house for a play date and she was like, I learned where babies come from. And I was like, what are you talking about? Okay. And then she's like, no, I know where babies come from. I'm like, okay, tell me. And then she told me like, it was like sperm. It was kind of about sex, but more about like fertilization. It was pretty it was surprisingly technical, I would say for like six and seven yeah. year olds. Um, and I was like, oh, okay, cool. That's fine. And I could kind of moved on. I don't even think I asked my mom about it. Cause I was like, that tracks Claire's Claire would no um and then I think that I under like I I think sex as pleasurable I mean I just like always knew my parents were sexually active and I didn't really understand what they were doing I just knew that they liked each other a lot and I had I know I had seen I'd kind of walked in on them when I was really little and then I actually had the sex talk with both of my sisters and I think I've told you about this um but my mom took us on a like mommy daughter day that we were so I mean I was excited about and I was I was probably eight maybe nine and my older sister was 11 and then my younger sister was seven and my mom like took us to one of those pottery places where you paint pottery and they fire it we went out to dinner and she got a hotel and we had no idea and we get to the hotel for like a sleepover my mom pulls out the books (laughs) <laughs> and it's like, here is sex. And my older sister was too old. She already knew about this. My younger sibling was too young and didn't understand it. I was, Nicole was, my older sister was so uncomfortable to this day. My mom says this is one of her parenting mistakes. She was just trying to like get it all out of the way. But all of us were like, mm-hmm. absolutely not. We felt so tricked because it was like, we had a wonderful day. And now we're doing this. What yeah. the hell, mom? But she just like walked us through like that whole like sex should be fun. But like, wait till marriage. And she like, talked about that sex is fun she showed us how fertilization and pregnancy work we talked about puberty it was like a big talk my mom like had really planned for it and that's the point that the books went on the shelves um so that was kind of my introduction actually to understand that sex should be fun and good for you and consensual and about it was I think probably there was a good touch bad touch in that conversation as well and like uh emotional maturity like being ready is important like being old enough to know what you're doing and protect yourself so it wasn't really about birth control at that point yet it was more about procreation to some capacity uh but my mom had like planned it pretty intensely and she, yeah again this, to this day she's like i shouldn't have done it that way <laughs> Sorry, I, don't, guys. I don't know 
No, I just don't know, though, because I don't think I have ever spoken to someone, even if they are, like, like-minded about sex and had parents who had um, more progressive views that, Mm -hmm. like, enjoyed the talk. I I don't know of anyone that Well, it's more that it was, it shouldn't have been with my sisters. Um, It meant, like, none of us felt, and it was more, Kay was, like, too young to know what was happening and it was weird and nicole was very uncomfortable nicole was too old she was like 11 and would had already gotten a lot of this at school and so and from friends and just in school and so i think it would have just been i don't know how she could have done it better i think i'd rather would her had done it i think mostly we felt tricked that we'd had a nice day and then we were like a sleepover and then it wasn't yes what it was we thought it was going to be and I wish we, she would have done it. At least probably she could have done my younger sibling and me, but Nicole shouldn't have been there. Like Nicole already knew all this and, it, and Nicole was vastly uncomfortable and way too old. Had I think had already started her period or was about to like, it was the, we were kind of weird ages for it. Yeah. Uh, but I agree. Nobody so, loved having that conversation no. with their parents. No, no, I didn't. And It should have been more private, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So with just individual conversations Mm -hmm. or maybe with you and your younger Mm -hmm. sister yeah so then how old do you think is like the right age to start talking to kids about sex I think that the first point and I I have a few friends who are elementary school teachers so I've had this question and a few friends who are parents and I think that to begin like especially if a kid is asking a question you answer that question. You don't need to give like a super detailed, like this is what fucking is. But if a kid is saying like, where do babies come from? Or like, what is a tampon? Or, hey, you're pre- that person is pregnant. What does that mean? Like you can give an actual answer to that question. And kids usually ask those questions very young. They're asking those questions at four, five, six, right? If not younger. So I think especially the position where a kid is able to understand something is happening and is curious about the world, you should always engage in that conversation with an amount of understanding of their like cognitive limitations developmentally, right? Like you don't need to tell them everything, but you can start that conversation. Um, and then it's never a big deal because you've been building on it for a while. Um, and I think definitely, and I think Oregon has recently changed because I'm from the Pacific Northwest and Oregon has changed their sex ed laws where they're doing like good touch, bad touch in kindergarten, like really emphasizing it. And then they do like puberty twice, like I think the way they're doing it incrementally is great. I think you should be doing birth control in seventh grade, at least. Like, I think birth control is a hard one um, because it's good to know. But a lot of like 11 year olds just like often can't sit that long to listen to a talk about condoms. Like it's hard to do with a class. Um, But I think like starting a lot of those conversations at like four, five, six and then building them slowly as you go, I think is the best way to do it until you're really having the more the more intense talks around 12 like more you know what I mean that's incremental where you're having like and I think you should talk about masturbation in elementary school as well but that's a hard one to do in schools yeah absolutely um and everyone should listen to what Bri is saying as a professional opinion and <laughs> one that I endorse completely I it, think that one actually people... yeah that is a professional and evidence-based yeah. practice opinion Yes, it is. And I think a lot of people get very uncomfortable when I mentioned that I enjoy working with kids and talking to them about sex. Oh, the um, way sex kids is... interact and they want, they're just desperate to know. Yes. Yeah. And it's so fun. Yeah, no. And sex doesn't explicitly mean uh, two adults 
like having penetrative sex, there is so much more that encompasses talking about sex and sexuality at all ages. And Mm -hmm. the contraceptive thing is hard too, because in grad school, we talk about how it's literally the most boring um, part of sexuality and it's hard to make engaging, especially when it's not something that's applicable to you at a certain age. But I know for myself, I actually didn't, I got my period at nine. So that Mm -hmm. would have been missing me completely by several years Mm -hmm. to wait till seventh grade. So Right. It's more of like getting kids to sit long enough. That was my thought process and to actually engage and hear it. A lot of kids just can't, they're not interested enough until about 12. But that doesn't mean you can't get that information sooner and can't start those conversations sooner. I just don't know what that answer is um I also hate the term (laughs) we use it in sex therapy stuff it's like the term is called petting and it's that stage before you have penetrative sex it's kind of foreplay but it's foreplay without saying foreplay and a lot Mm -hmm. of petting is like your sexual debut your introduction to sexuality without having like intercourse um and I like that term but I hate that term simultaneously because I think it's descriptive I just hate using it yeah, it definitely has a creepy connotation. It's better than using like bases because it's, yeah, I, yeah. I think petting is, yeah, it's a weird word that I'm trying to figure out if I want to use in practice, but I can't think of a better term that is not talking about like baseball. I have a better term that you might oh, want gimme, to gimme. use. So the word that I've heard is outer course. Do kids engage with that word? I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure not. I don't think so. But if you're in a clinical setting talking to other adults, I like it because it's mm-hmm. not I like foreplay. outer course better than petting. Foreplay does insinuate that something needs to come afterwards. Yeah, exactly. But outer course can be any kind of stimulation manually you're right. that's not penetrative. Because I think part of it is I'm thinking of petting more as like a developmental term for your like progress into figuring your sexuality so it's like that intro kind of the first time you kiss somebody like that kind of petting so that's hard because I think that is like almost there I think I could make that work I like that better than petting <laughs> yeah petting has a weird connotation yeah. I would say it's yeah it feels like something someone's like great grandma is saying but also it feels exactly. like something your creepy uncle is saying simultaneously yes, yes. heavy on the creepy uncle that's yeah <laughs> I feel <laughs> not not have you on the creepy uncle we don't want any of the creepy yeah uncle, don't take that but... sound bite if you're taking a sound bite from this I, de- I beg of you not that one <laughs> I will not do that mostly because I don't know how to do that yet we'll what we're learning okay so let's see give me your best does sex therapist answer to this question what does sex mean to you oh okay I My answer is always, like, sex is not about, like, the act of, I always, if you're trying to be, like, I feel like sex is not the act of fucking. It's, like, the things that go into sex. Like, sex is about, like, touch and communication, but also about communication, like, as in, like, verbal communication, nonverbal communication. Sex is, like, this, because, like, intercourse is the act of, like, penetrative fucking right it's like the procreative term right so sex is like things like outer course foreplay whatever you want to call those terms like sex is like the act of touch and I think especially touch with like one or more people because I think I don't know why but for some reason um 
I think like to me, masturbation and sex are like connected, but I think that the way in which we practice those things is different and talk about those things is different. Um, so like, yeah, I think to pull everything I, t I said together, like sex is about intimacy and about touch and about like love and affection sometimes, but not always. It's about like finding pleasure in your own body and someone else's body and other people's bodies in whatever way that makes sense. And I think that limiting sex to procreative sex or intercourse is so limiting because sex is huge and things that aren't even like, it's the things in a day that go into building to sex at night to later in the day, right? It's all these like, which is all like that foreplay aspect or outer course or like the like touches during the day, right? Like sex is kind of how we are feeling and our bodies in connection. So like the most yeah. grad school answer in the whole world. No, no, it's perfect. That's what I asked for. And also, I mean, I'm guilty of doing it too, but I think in describing um, how the traditional idea of sex or virginity is limiting, we often only focus on it being limiting for people who are not straight or are not mm -hmm. cis, mm -hmm. but it's limiting for everybody. For everybody. Yeah. So you can answer this from whatever lens you'd like. Um, you can answer from a personal or from a educational or a therapeutic lens, but what is a good reason to have sex and what is a bad reason to have sex? I think that, see, I think that question is so big and I think that I would go more professional than personal because I think that that's like so individual, but I think a bad reason to have sex is pretty much only because someone else thinks you should like mm -hmm. external pressure. If that means like coming from your friends, if you're like younger or at any age, your friends are like, Oh, you should have sex with that person or like a, a person you, who wants you to have sex with them really wants you to. And you don't know, like, it's just literally what is the external pressure and are you doing something because like you want to fuck around or are you doing something because someone around you is saying to do it? Um, and I think a good reason to have sex is like the opposite of that but also it can mean like you want to try something new that you don't know if you're gonna love but you want it like that's not a bad reason just because you're like not questioning something but like you're like unsure is not inherently a bad like a bad reason to have sex if you're like oh, I want to try something new who can I try that thing new thing with and then you can be like oh I didn't like that and you never do it again but that doesn't mean that it was a bad thing it just means that it was learning um yes. So I think, right, and I, I think sex is should be experimental and fun and playful. And so, like, that is always a good reason, or not always, but that is a good reason to have sex. Um, it's easier, I think, to define what is a bad reason than a good reason. Yeah, I think so, too. And I like what you said about sex being explorative and playful. And mm -hmm. something that really stuck out to me in my studies was the idea that sex is one of the last places in adulthood that it is socially acceptable mm -hmm. for people to play with each other absolutely and like there is actually this is in part coming from like uh so Gottman is one of the big like especially couples uh therapy theorists he doesn't do sex therapy he does like couples intimacy stuff um but you can kind of use them in conjunction he has problems but I really appreciate the frameworks he uses and one of the things that you can kind of take from Gottman is in many ways, when couples lose their sense of fun and play and like not inherently silliness, but their ability, to, like their lightness, if everything is this heavy 
interaction and sex is always kind of serious and intense that's a lot of times when relationships fall apart because you need to be able to maintain your sense of curiosity and maintaining that sense of curiosity is what does so much to work on relationships of all kinds but especially sexual relationships um yeah. play is so important and I think Gottman says too that novelty is also important, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, and that's why like hotel sex is fun. Like everybody that I know that uh, like sex loves hotel sex because it's novel. To, it's novel. You're out of your space. You're. It feels new. It feels explorative. You have neighbors. Maybe there's like an amount of risk ish, quote unquote. I did air quotes there, um, and and that's like the same. That's that's one of the that's a, do having sex in a hotel is one of the things you like is recommended sometimes in sex therapy just get, get out of your own space especially if you have kids um, yeah and whenever people hear I'm sure like sexuality professionals say something like novelty I'm sure because sitting in front of you are two people with colored hair and look relatively <laughs> out there they think we're talking about the most insane crazy like sexual deviant thing to do and that's not at all what is meant at least for me no no not at all like I, and that can mean literally whatever it wants it to me it, that, that really that means having sex in a different room than normal like normal your normal sex you have or trying a new position you've never done before getting like a new type of vibrator and like so much of novelty isn't you don't have to change very much for something to feel new um and that's what maintains relationships and even if that means outside the bedroom like trying new things together um like novelty is not just sex novelty is like exploring maintaining a sense of curiosity in all things that's the point of maintaining healthy relationships not the yeah. point but it's very helpful yeah it's one of the big ones um so it seems like we're answering things in more of a professional capacity so i might <laughs> be able to see where you would go with this but mm -hmm. how do you know when you're ready to have sex with someone you know, and I think I could answer this one personally, because that one is such a hard one. And I think I, I think it'd be fun to answer this one um, more about me, because like in my house, I was like never going to have sex in my parents' house. I just I didn't want to deal with it. There's too many I have a bunch of siblings, a bunch of family. There's too many people. Generally, there are like three generations, if not more, living in my parents' house. And I like knew I was ready when I was probably like a junior or senior in high school, but I'm so, I'm so logical and like in my head that I was like, I'm not going to have car sex for the first time. Cause that sounds horrible and very annoying. I want to be with someone I trust. Like I don't need to love them. I don't even need to like them, but I do need to like trust my, my personal and like emotional safety to some capacity with this person. Um, and I needed to be out of my parents' house. Like that was the big one. So pretty much the moment I went to college, I was just like, let's go. And within by by the end of November, so I started school in the middle of January or middle of September. By the end of November, I'd had sex for the first time. I was like, the moment I was out of my house, I was like, okay, this is it. This is time. We are ready. Um, and pretty much the first person who was willing and consenting, I was like, cool, let's go. And he was like, sure, let's go. <laughs> I think that's a great checklist. You know what? I was, and that's one of the funniest things. We have foster siblings and one of my foster siblings is in her 20s. And I was like, yeah, you wouldn't get to do fucking Bob and Sherry's house, my parents' names. And she was, she laughed so hard at that because it's true. Like, we just don't want to deal. There's too many people yes. and too many opinions. And like, I, it was not worth my time or stress. And I don't, I don't like being sneaky. I'm not going to be sneaky. 
it's too much yeah. work. I'd rather, like, I was just never horny enough to not wait. I was like, but I knew the moment I went to college, I would be ready. And that's what happened. Yeah. I think a lot of people have experiences like that. Yeah. I have a few yeah, friends like, who have similar stories. Yeah. Aside from just being like, you know, some risk involved, it's just not the most sexy to be thinking about your parents and- having hearing you having said yeah and my parents both work from home and they have since i was really little so like somebody somebody is always home always and i was like i don't and i was never allowed to have my door shut with somebody of uh, the opposite sex Um, maybe this explains a little bit how different both of our experiences were sexually when we were younger yeah i was not (laughs) i I remember the first time i was because my high school boyfriend and i had just broken up and i was hanging out with a platonic male friend and my, I shut the door. My parents let me shut the door because I was having a hard time and I just like needed some privacy and we didn't do anything. But it was the first time I remember shutting the door being like, oh, shit. And I was 18. It was the first time I had shut the door in my parents' house with a person that was I could have theoretically gotten pregnant with, I suppose, is the easiest way to put that. We didn't even do anything, but Ooh. I was 18. We did literally didn't do anything. But I was like, had that little moment being like, oh, I shut the door. Oh, no one's yelling at me. That's a big one. Mm hmm. So switching gears a little bit, um, describe to me your ideal sexual experience. You know, and I think I kind of brought this up in the question uh, before too, but I think that like, if you're having just like a nice, like I love just like a a, a day where you're, because I feel like I've, I'm um, married and my husband and I really, I mean, everyone like, as I'm saying, my husband, I love to go on a date. Everyone loves to go on a date. <laughs> and, um, but kind of that day where you just like have a few things planned and it's kind of that like build up throughout the day when you're like not doing, you just kind of like go on a walk and go and get coffee. And you have like that kind of sense of intimacy throughout the day. And maybe you, well, sometimes I would say go get a big dinner, but then I never want to have sex after a big dinner. Um, but you just like have a nice day together and you have that, oh, there's a word for it, but like kind of that, I would say kind of that foreplay throughout the day. Um, and then you feel like cozy, maybe I'll get a little bit high and then you get cozy (laughs) and then you just like have this, like, and then you have really, I always feel like we have really nice sex after like big emotional talks too. So usually like we'll go to dinner and have like a talk about, we'll have like kind of that state of Gottman state of the union talk when you're like updating on how you're feeling and what you need and, and communicating like things I felt frustrated about and things I felt really made me feel really close to you and those kind of big talks. And then you kind of go home and um, sometimes you're like maybe a drink in and, you know, it's just like that sense of closeness. And I feel like the most um, like I would not even like the most most intense, but like some of the most fun sex, like I'd say especially fun sex that we've had is when we feel really close to each other. Um, And so that's something that I always enjoy. But even like I have a hard time chilling out, relaxing. (laughs) my brain is bad at it and so I really prefer to have sex at the end of the day because then I feel like I've gotten the things done like otherwise I just am either begin very very beginning of the day or the very end of my day are usually my ideal times mm-hmm. um because I just I can't I get if I'm middle of my day I'm like absolutely not I'm busy there are things in my head I'm in the middle of a paper yes you want to touch me now yes I'm thinking about a and d podcast that's all I have in my head <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah, we're obviously going to be talking about Gottman a lot because we both like his work. But Mm -hmm. that is one of the things that he recommends for 
um, closeness and romantic relationships is what Bree said. It's called a state of the union. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a emotional check-in conversation about what's going well, what's not going well, how mm-hmm. could it go better in a relationship. And also the date, um, the date day or the date night mm-hmm. is also a part of one of his concepts. I don't, I think it's called the five or six golden or magical hours. Yeah. It's um, like the, you are, you're doing like to essentially like a small meal an activity and like a bigger meal like it's like there's there's and it's, you're, you're extending your time together yeah the idea is so, like that contact yep so the idea that i'm thinking of it includes it's like how you allot your time during the week um mm-hmm. and there's partings like when mm-hmm. you say goodbye and someone's going to work um mm-hmm. greetings or like um I, these are definitely not the right words um, i never remember the right words either appreciation um and like affection are all part mm-hmm. of those um and the date is something that is recommended at least mm-hmm. two hours a week yeah which is great something that i try to do in my relationship as well but, well it's been nice because i think both of us have been working really hard on making that like a very conscious regular thing it's been fun for i think both of us to talk about how that's been going for us and feeling yeah. it's been really fun because ours is usually both Wednesday night. It's like the yes. our date night. Um, and working on like date nights actually being actively engaging. You're not just mm-hmm. like like you are interacting. Kyle and I are movie talkers, so we're we're allowed is not the word I want to use. We actually watching a show together is fun because we are talking about the show. So it's not like we're sitting next to each other and not doing anything. We're usually like talking shit about the characters or commenting on stuff. So I think movies still count for us as active engagement because of that. Yes, I think that I need to start watching more movies with you guys because I'm a movie talker and Hank is not. (laughs) Aggressively so. It's bad. Like sometimes we we like can't go to movie theaters because we just want to talk the whole time. We have to like shut up and we're like, how, who watches stuff like this? Don't you want to talk about your feelings and look up characters and actors and like compare your thoughts in the moment? I mean, I think that they're, I don't know, maybe I'm, this is me biased as a movie talker, but I think that talking about the movie is acceptable in a movie theater talking about something that's not about the movie seems unacceptable well i think it depends on how many people are in the theater because i do think inserting my opinions into someone else's like i feel like that's like a i don't know if i wouldn't call it like a consent issue but they didn't go there to listen to me talk yeah it's not a podcast so we have a hard time going to movie theaters together but i i guess we didn't talk about earlier because one of my like specialties in my therapy stuff is like i one of the things i am going to specialize and have kind of specialized in is couples and relationship therapy um and so like Gottman is a great example and that in like the EFT like Johnson emotional focus therapy which is like I think those together are excellent um yeah but so that's why like I think a lot about couples and Gottman is like a very good theory for that um it's outdated it's like very hetero but there's some excellent ways to use especially his um, like questionnaire system for any any kind of relationship in general roommates anything absolutely i mean theories are theories a lot of Mm -hmm. people in our line of work get very caught up in just taking theory as like gospel praxis Mm -hmm. and that's not what it's meant to be no it's so limiting to work that way yeah definitely limiting for you limiting for the people that you Mm -hmm. help and annoying to talk to 
I think it's important to like in practice use things that are evidence-based and you can't just like, I feel like it's important to have theories that you are working within to some capacity, but people get so caught up in like what, how they're exactly what they're using it. And I'm like, everyone, everyone needs to chill. We'll take a breath. Yes. Yes. Major theme of grad school. Everyone True. needs to take a breath. <laughs> All I need to take a breath. Every, like truly every single one of us, everyone just needs to like take a breath, takes two steps back and go, it's fine. Not a big is deal. it important? It's not that important. Not that important. Anyways, this is me and Sophia when we hang out and <laughs> talk shit. This yes. is our classic line of talk conversation. Yeah, we have to talk a little bit of shit. It's cathartic. It's this is praxis. <laughs> <laughs> so okay, let's see. I'm trying to think of what I would like. So, do you have any sexual debut stories that you think are just something that you would like to share? It's okay you know, no, I'll say, because I think Kyle, my husband, would think this is funny. I won't talk about anyone else because um, they <laughs> think would love that. They're wonderful people. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, the <laughs> the first date Kyle and I went on was Valentine's Day um, because I had recently been broken up with and like two, three weeks previously. And I, we had kind of friends of friends that wanted us to hang out. He had called me Pixie Cut for like two years before a year before this because he like, didn't really remember my name. And that's not true. He did. It's just my name was Pixie Cut. And um, I <laughs> it's you know, it's accurate. It's true. Um, my hair color is always changing. So you can't pick any other descriptive factor, really. But um we kind of hung out with friends and then um our first date was valentine's day and we ended up we got okay i have to think of the timeline so we got sushi and then at sushi he was like hey my friends are all going to like a singles mixer party tonight do you want to come with me and i was like sure when is it and this is like 2 p.m and he's like oh the party starts at eight and it's like a formal party oh my gosh. and i was like okay do you want to keep hanging out then he was like yeah sure Kyle was like Aww. so enthusiastic and I was like oh god I had a nice <laughs> time but I really liked him but I was like okay cool then we like went to my dorm because it was like a formal party and I want to communicate I was so overdressed for this party because Aww. and I just like don't I dress like relatively modestly for like a lot of different reasons but just because what I'm comfortable wearing and comes from like childhood stuff too but and so I was wearing actually a very I'm wearing a dress like a sweater dress and I wore like this is 2015 and I wore like a velvety sweater dress thing and it was very cute it was very me but it was not everyone was wearing like little tops and stuff and they looked so cute I just won't wear that mm-hmm. I would more so now than I did then for sure and I was like I was dressed like like a mother of the bride and they were all dressed like cute little like they had little skirts and tops and I was so and I was like I was so mad at him because I was like dude <laughs> I am I look I look crazy at this party and because he had no idea and then we I like went to the party the party was horrible it was so boring and weird and then I spent the night it had we had sex that for the first time that night and then I remember going home and it was very nice and we had sex like three times that night it's too many times for my poor body (laughs) and I remember going home that that night and I like snapchatted a bunch of friends being like does it count as a walk of shame if you're not ashamed and I was like so like look at me I had a one night stand I was so proud of myself and because I was just like wasn't gonna date him because I had just gotten broken up with and I wasn't ready, and Spoiler and now we've been to- now we've been together for almost eight years because he was just like no we're gonna be in love so we're gonna continue doing this and 
we kept like hooking up for a while on the weekends and it became like consistent. And then we met, you know, we met each other's parents and all of a sudden it was like four months later and we were in love. And I was like, had this like whiplash. It's like, when did we get here? Like how? And Kyle was like, don't worry, this was on purpose. Like I liked you and I, <laughs> I wasn't ever against it. I just never, I was like, I don't, how? He's like, don't worry. I knew what I was doing. He was like that mastermind TikTok trend. I was like, no, I'm going to get her to stay. He wasn't like manipulative. He was just like, no, no, no. I can do this. I believe in myself. Now that trend scares me a little bit. I, I appreciate the tenacity. Some um, of them are this, funny. This, I think it's only, I think it's primarily unethical, not unethical. I think it's a little funky when like they're telling their partner for the first time, like if your partner didn't know you did that early on versus like, because if I did that, I have no chill. If I did something like very tenacious maybe a manipulative like that I would yeah. have told them I'd be like like second date I'd have been like I want you to know that I planned this yeah and there's a, like I, and they, then if they're still into it that's different I, I would I have no chill I would tell them immediately no I don't I don't I, I also never would do that I I don't care enough about anybody I know Brie is very much uh Kyle is definitely the ro- the hopeless romantic <laughs> in their relationship and it's very sweet and I think <laughs> my ideal um setup of a like straight relationship is the man being obsessed with Same. the woman absolutely it's what yeah. i deserve i don't know you want from me it's what you all deserve don't settle for anything less and i i didn't we just we talk a lot about we just got lucky young because we have been we started dating we are 18 eight, 19 not 18 and uh we're 27 and like we're and most people i we get asked sometimes of like how do you guys make it work i'm like we got lucky we just yeah. were compatible and we got lucky and that's there was work involved but not that much we had to like grow up together ish but mm-hmm. we're just lucky but yeah no our first date was 24 hours long yeah as all the good ones are i know i'm yeah i just will never forget that walk home and i was again overdressed on the walk home yeah but modestly so at least you modest know, like the worst you know. <laughs> but modestly <laughs> is such a <laughs> at least i would wish i would looked hot on the walk home I'm i was sure wearing yeah no i'm sure i did it just wouldn't it was like hot it's something i would wear now still it was so cute but it does not match the vibe of the party that's all right i was told formal i would i would have done something similar um on the other Kyle. end of the... it's his fault yeah it always is on the other end of the modesty spectrum is probably what i would do in okay so what do you think about counting the first time that you had an orgasm as your sexual debut see i just think that is so hard for me because i think of masturbation it as being so such a different learning experience to me than like intercourse or like sex with another person because i started masturbating pretty young and so to me and I didn't even know what I was doing for a long time like really I started probably nine but I didn't know what especially for people with vaginas that's young like no I don't have a lot of friends who started that young um if they did at all and so part of consciously at least no yeah not consciously and like I and so I think like to me those experiences were so different that I don't even know how to compare them yeah um but I do yeah that's my and I I, but that's hard because I'm like there's a lot of people who've like never been able to come with partners or like Mm -hmm. have you know like they had a lot of partners before they came so like I think that equating orgasm with sex in general is a hard one because I think a lot about like your debut 
into sex is especially like partnered sex to me is like seeking like mutual pleasure with another person in like a conscious way that's like my definition of it to some extent because I think that's easier because like there's a lot of people that don't come their first time oh yeah um, definitely. and don't and then defining orgasms so it's like okay did I have sex for the first time at nine you're like no because yeah. I wouldn't count that um to me so that I think that's mine yeah like seeking you like consciously seeking mutual pleasure with another person and it, that can mean like internet like over you know in any capacity I feel like that counts yeah of like the, the intimacy of that or another person or multiple people like whatever that means for yeah I also think that masturbation is different than self-pleasuring um or self-soothing self-pleasuring mm, behavior mm-hmm, especially mm. in the context of of children I think maybe Absolutely. it's just my own um absorbing of other people's discomfort around using certain words with um certain populations but i do Mm -hmm. think maybe masturbation there is some kind of consciousness there and intention Mm -hmm. whereas children put their hands down their pants all the time or put their crotches on the pool jet um right because it feels nice because I would say like intentionally and understanding what I would because I think there's also a difference between like understanding what I was doing and doing it intentionally and then like soothing because those are all like kind of different those are good those are all different stages because I think Mm -hmm. for me like soothing was before and then intentional without understanding what I was doing I was nine and I understood what I was doing probably around 11 but then I understood I didn't know the word masturbation until I was 14 yeah I don't think I I think similarly for me but that'd be an interesting theory yeah just like understanding like and I think that just allows that like exploration self like under and understanding that like self-soothing is can lead to masturbation but a lot of kids genital touching is just like like self-soothing pleasure seeking it's not sexual and like masturbation yeah. in the beginning often isn't anyways you right. don't really know what's happening exactly yeah there's so much nuance there mm-hmm. so what was your first time using a sex toy then that one is so funny because i was oh okay so it's after i graduated well i had i know that i tried to use like an electric toothbrush in like early high school but I didn't do any I was like I didn't like this I know I tried and I, I tried a few times to see but the ones we had were like really angular so they didn't like I don't know they were hard to hold and use um so I and I didn't think I was like eh, not for me then um I just knew it was I didn't and it's funny because that was like I feel like I have friends who heard about it like someone made a joke about it but I was just mm-hmm. like using it one day and I was like hmm I wonder I wonder if this would be useful. Like yeah. I, I, I didn't even see it in media. I just remember like, look, like brushing my teeth, being like, hmm, I wonder what. And it didn't work. I didn't really like it that much. Uh, and then I at, and then after I graduated undergrad, I lived on my own for two years. And during that period, I was I was probably twenty two, and mm-hmm. I was like, I'm on my in my own house. I like lived with a cat, and I was like, I don't want to own sex toys. I love the cat. It's so annoying, because mm-hmm. he was in everything so and my roommate in college would have been fine with it Would we would have gone together but I got a um like a vibrator yeah I was 22 um and it has grown exponentially since but that was and I think just like figuring out what that was like and it was such a new like feeling like vibration is so different than like any other 
like than hands or anything else. So that was mm -hmm. such an interesting learning curve. But I think I was 22. Nice. Yeah. And so that my uh, professional advice on that is there are so many like different price points mm -hmm. and different yeah. types of sex toys. And you do not need to buy the $200 Lilo vibrator no. for the first time. No, you absolutely can go to an Adam and Eve or the classic mm -hmm. with Spencer's. I don't know mm -hmm. if they uh. carried them, but you can start small because mm -hmm. there are different types of sex toys and they do different things. Even mm -hmm. there are different types of vibrators that mm -hmm. have different different types of vibrations and yeah, either rumbly or more inserted mm -hmm. um, and and uh, like smaller area. Yeah, I'm a big. Cover I'm a big proponent of in the beginning, not spending more than definitely spending under $50 for sure mm -hmm. on your first few and then figuring out what you like. Those just tend to break more quickly, not yeah. always, but often. And, um, and they're not like, they're not waterproof always, you know, there's like different things and mm -hmm. getting like a cheaper version and then like eventually getting like investing in a nicer piece. Yeah. Um, once you know what you like. invest investment pieces oh, um yeah. but once you know the kind of and like going to stores and touching and feeling them and feeling how like strong or different like but not going crazy and getting the nicest stuff because I have friends who bought like these crazy expensive sex toys and they hate them they don't like the way those feel right. in their bodies and I feel bad but it's like you never felt yeah. that kind of thing before so yeah, yeah I think my first sex toy was like 25 dollars and I still have it, it still works pretty yeah. well actually Yes, and there are a bunch of nice options that are not battery charged, which I mm -hmm. wouldn't recommend. I know, I don't. My first one was battery charged. My first one is battery charged. And if you use it uh, vigorously at all, it pops open and the batteries fall out. And it's so, it is devastating sometimes. We don't use it very often, literally because of that. It's so annoying. Yeah. You got to get one that has a charger. Mm -hmm. One that's waterproof and a good way to test out the strength of the vibration is to put it on your nose if you're in mm -hmm. a store that you can test it out. Yep. And I, I want to get one that is um just plug like plugs in. Yes. Yes. Because it's so annoying one. to charge them. Not a charging one. One that just only is used. Plugged oh, in. only plugs in like the classic Hitachi. Yeah, I don't. That one is a little too much, but I want to get one that you don't have to that, or that can be plugged in. Okay, so you don't have to worry about it dying. Yeah, the yeah. worst thing is when your toys die right before you're about to come. And I can't, I can't do it. I just am so annoyed. I can't, I hate it. It's so annoying. And I'm not amazing at remembering to charge things. And it yeah. sucks. And I'd like to have, and I'm, we're not like traveling that much. So it's not like we're going anywhere. So it's, and I wouldn't do it not have a plug. Never. Yeah. There's always an outlet. There's always an outlet. Yeah. So what is something that you've tried sexually that you did not like? I actually was thinking about this and I don't think I don't think I have really you know what I will say I don't really like I'm not against it but I don't love shower sex but it's because I'm short and yeah. I'm not short short I'm like five four and Kyle's like six one and I I'm just it's not comfortable for me like it's fun but it's not something that I do very often because it's not I'm never nothing's ever it's never going to be that good for me um right. because it's a pain and I am it's bad we need like a stool like it's it's really not an option um yeah I mean it is but it sucks so that's that's my main thing that I just like and I'll do it it's like fun sometimes as like outer course kind of stuff but yeah. I'm not as like I'm it's not my choice I'm not like let's get in the shower and fuck I'm like let's 
take a shower together after. Honestly, I feel like most adults are not into shower sex. Also, the homemade lubrication that your vagina makes is water-based, so the Yep. water washes it away. And the only one that works that well in showers is silicone lube, and silicone lube is so hard to clean. So using it in the shower with water is a recipe for disaster. also dangerous if you slip Yeah, exactly. So it's like, I'm never <laughs> in that kind of hurry. no I'm never in, I'm never, we live together. I maybe understand if I was younger or busier, but like, I'm never in a hurry. okay so can you remember the first time that you thought of yourself as a sexual being I, well, this is kind of a weird one for me because I actually think it has more to do with learning what my clitoris was than anything else. So I got actually pretty good sex ed for like what is offered in the country. Oregon has pretty high expectations. Um, and about especially like the physiology and procreation and birth control, not great about pleasure, but not against pleasure. But I didn't know what my clitoris was until I was like 18. Like I knew it, ex I knew that it was there. I just didn't know what that, that bump was. Um, and so when I learned, and then that includes like, I've been masturbating at that point for like almost 10 years, but I didn't really know what I was doing. And I don't, and so that was an interesting experience to me to like learn that like in general, the function of the clitoris has nothing but like pleasure. It's like for creating lubrication and for pleasure right it's like it's, it's like a stimulation and that's it doesn't have any other like biological function that we know of um and realizing like how cool that was and how fun that was that like a piece of my body is just like a th oh, that's all it can do that's all it does that all that's all it knows like you know that doesn't know anything but and I think that that's when I was like I don't know. I feel like that connected with me, my, connected me with my body and my sexuality in this really interesting way that I've never forgotten. Um, and I, I don't know. I felt, I, I think that's one of the first times I really felt that way. And I was Yes. pretty old, but I just never like, I never thought that much about it. Like I didn't, and I knew like, I, I, I didn't really think about sex because I knew I wasn't going to have sex till I left my parents' home. So I was never that worried about it. And so it's really interesting now I think the moment I was ready, I was ready. And then I, that was right around 18, right? When I'm like about to move out of my parents' house, when I'm fully realizing and like connecting with my body more because I just didn't let myself before. Yes, and you talking about the clitoris being literally the only organ in the human body that is made for um, pleasure. Um, I, of course, have to pull out my um, 3D printed clitoris that Mm-hmm, one mm-hmm. of my old bosses gave me. Yes. And I have earrings that have that model. of course you do. You've got to. Um, and so I want to describe it to people who might not know. The clitoris is a bump, yes, um, that you can see. But the majority of the clitoris actually is an internal structure. And it looks a lot like a phallus does because they are the same structure and only change once sex differentiation happens in utero um, for the fetus. But if you... It's in like the second trimester too, or it's pretty late. Yeah, it's pretty late. So we all start the same way in the womb. Um, but the penis kind of looks to me like someone, this creature that has 
two long arms and like two shorter legs. It's like And if, it's it, like if a giraffe had a short neck. And it look yes, it also kind of looks like that And a fat funny. ass. Yes, a fa it looks like the um the meme of the really artistic Squidward. Um <laughs> So I'm not doing the best job of describing it. So look it up because there's a lot more The than artistic what you can see. Squidward is, it's like if you mixed a, a necklace draft and a hot Squidward actually works, but I'm sure anyone listening is like, absolutely fuck not. It might work for someone, you know, look it up. I'm sure it's more of a visual thing, but it is something that a lot of like people don't know. And a lot of people, like even in my program of people who are, sexuality professionals didn't know coming in. Mm -mm. Well, I didn't know it had that much internal structure. I knew it had internal structure. I That's guess I extensive. knew that in un in undergrad I did. I learned that in undergrad, but um, it was surprising to me just like how much of the, like, because the only part outside the body is what the, the cura, cura, Yeah. C-R-U-R-A, cura. And everything else is like, you have like that, I forget everything else is called. I'm out of that part of the program, but Yeah, same. Biology the legs, is not my strong the legs suit. and the feet. Yeah, there's four sets of legs. Mm -hmm. So this is just a fun little throwaway question. But if you could only have sex one time in your entire life, would you do it? Would I like die after or it's just like one and done? No, it's just one and you can never have sex again. Yes, but I think I would wait till I was like old. Okay, I'd like that answer. Like, I think I would like it. I would probably pay somebody to like Yeah. who could do like a great job. Yeah. Like I would be like a specialized, I guess that person maybe can only have sex once. So who knows if you can even be someone specialized, but I would probably, if I could, I would, This is a very logical and this is a very me answer. <laughs> you thought really deeply into it that I had, I didn't think of It's so those funny. Cause possibilities. I know you, I saw the questions before, but that one I like saw and then was like, no, I don't want to, I don't want to think about that one. Cause I, but I think I would, I would wait, I would wait until I was like, felt really in 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 my body and older and kind of released from the things that make sex hard in a learning system and I would I would like plan and prepare way too much and it would be Yeah. annoying like it would be a problem because I would over prepare and then it would probably like <laughs> be less fun <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And I don't even know if this question would include the the knowledge that like you can never have sex again. So too many layers. This Um is assuming I have I can masturbate, but it's just like one time and then your vagina like shrivels. Yeah, just falls out of you. Falls out. You are um what is the word for the prolapse? Prolapsed. That happens <laughs> sometimes. I know. Yeah, it does. We raised pigs and we had a pig that would would be prolapsed all the time. My they my the brother had to stick its ass You back have to in put with it a back stick. in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's an organ, Anyway. and it can go back inside, and it happens to human people, A lot too. of people. Yes. Okay, so you've already imparted a lot of wisdom um, in this episode, so thank you for that. Um, but what words of wisdom would you like to see passed on to the next generation um, concerning sex and sexual debuts? I think those are all things like mostly these are things I have already said and the things that I think I'm realizing the further I'm into school that are going to be really important to my practice of like in all things in life as much as you're capable maintaining a sense of curiosity will get you so much further personally I think more personally I don't give a shit professionally fuck jobs fuck working but like as a human being who 
is in relationship in any capacity with other human beings. Maintaining your sense of like play and curiosity and like wonder is so valuable because that allows you to build so many different types of relationships and also allows you to be like very flexible in so many things of just being like, oh, I wonder how that works or why that is that way or like how I can be in relationship with people, which is so funny because I feel like so much of that often gets into my like Christian roots. Sometimes I get very like interestingly the way I see relationships often I feel like has been so much structured from my background but just and like when if you're frustrated maintaining a sense of curiosity over like why you're frustrated and who you're frustrated at and like where those things are coming from and also like in sexuality and in sex like maintaining you're like oh that sounds interesting maybe I should try that and sometimes things won't work and won't be interesting and then sometimes you'll learn so much new about yourself and about other people by just allowing yourself to be in like a space of learning and like wonder at the human experience because we're like all like nasty little worms and we might as well like <laughs> be <laughs> like that's all we have like these little meat sacks in the this in space and we might as well like take advantage of that with whatever that means to ourselves but like I don't know we're just like that's all we got is like learning if you lose that then like I don't know what are you doing yeah feels like a lot of work to stop learning to be honest to just like shut yourself off Yes, I have to agree, but that's also just you know what I'm also like educator. Yeah, (laughs) I'm like an educator and a future therapist married to an educator, and all my friends. Like it's hard when you're so in field, but I don't know. I feel like the the people who are the happiest are the people who maintain learning about themselves and the people their people in the world. Mm -hmm. Always carry that sense of wonder and curiosity. Mm -hmm. It can't steer you too wrong. No. Yeah. Well, on that note, I think that was a great place to end. But if there's anywhere that people can find you or anything you'd like to plug or just tell anyone who's listening about, you can do that now. Oh, my gosh. You know, I don't really have anything right now because I don't really say anything that interesting on social media. I'm not good at social media, but like maybe I'll come on your podcast again in like two years when I'm done when I'm done with school and graduated. I'll be like, here is here is my website. Here is the podcast. I'll never start because you're so brave and impressive (laughs) starting a podcast. (laughs) But I don't feel like I feel like I I don't have anything to plug, really. I'm just. Everyone should read some books, listen to some books. That's all my that's all I got plug. Keep learning. Sweet. It's more fun that way. I like that. All right. Use your well, local library. That's yeah, my plug. Yeah. It's free. It's free. Libraries well, are incredible yeah. public resources. Sorry, go. Absolutely. No, no, no. That's more important than what I was saying. Um, so thank you so much for coming on the podcast and thank you everybody for listening. I hope you have a great rest of your day. Thank you so much. Bye. Thanks for listening to another episode of the podcast, y'all. If you like what you're hearing, I'd be so thankful if you left me a rating and a review. You can leave me a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts, and you can leave me just a rating on Spotify. I'd also love to hear from y'all any topics that you'd like to hear cover on the podcast, or if there are any guests that you'd like to see on the podcast. If you have any questions or if you want to share any stories, you can suggest those things, tell me those things, or ask me those things on the Instagram via DMs at the Sexual Debut Podcast or my email, sexualdebutpodcast at gmail.com. 
See you next week.